0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Big Valley Grace, our online uh, campus. And we know that many of you are in your residences right now—your homes, apartments. You're sitting in your backyards, right? You—you you could be watching in a mo- mobile home or motor home or whatever it might be. We're just thankful that you are are with us. And uh, we're in a series. We're going through the Ten Commandments, and we're gonna we're gonna look at number six today. But before we we get there. I want to do something that I did last weekend out on the field, and I want you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 11, okay? Everybody turn to Matthew chapter 11, okay? And uh, I'm asked every single week, I I couldn't even count how many times, uh, 50 times, 100 times, hey, You know, what's going on at Big Valley Grace? Are you guys meeting? Are you guys open? Is there anything happening at Big Valley Grace? And um, I want to give you the answer to that. And I'm going to do it in a kind of a unique way. There was a a moment um, when John the Baptist was arrested and he was thrown into prison. And while he was in prison... um, He began to, you know, hear more and more about Jesus, and he began to think to himself, hey, is he the guy? Is Jesus the the Messiah? Is Jesus the Savior? Is Jesus the one that we've been waiting on? I mean, I'm in prison. Why am I in prison? I need to get out of prison, and I need to go about the work of God, you know, and I I need to, you know, keep being the the forerunner, if you will, to, to Jesus, and so John the Baptist grabs a couple of his guys and he sends those guys to meet up with Jesus to ask him the question, hey, are you the guy? You know, in other words, if you're the guy, come on, get me out of prison. Let's, let's go to work. Let's, let, let, let's start, you know, doing the things that God would have us to do. And so these friends of John the Baptist, they meet up with Jesus and they ask him, hey, John's in prison and he wants to know, are you the guy? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one who, you know, is the the one that we've been waiting for? And in in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus answers the question, but he does it in a very unique way. It says this, look at verse 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Hey, are you the guy? Or maybe there's supposed to be another guy. Maybe I messed this up. Maybe you're not really the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Is there somebody else? Look at verse four. And Jesus answered them, you go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. In other words, Jesus doesn't answer the question directly. He just says, hey, go tell John all the great things that are happening right now. And so let me answer the question. What's happening at Big Valley Grace? Are we open? Are there, you know, is there anything going on at the church during this pandemic? And hey, let me tell you, The gospel is being preached. Just want you to know that. People are being saved. People are being baptized. Women's ministries is meeting. Men's ministries is meeting. Celebrate recovery is meeting. Our children's ministry is meeting. Our youth ministries are meeting. Our school is open. There is all kinds of great things going on here at Big Valley Grace. There's all kinds of great ministry that's happening right here at Big Valley Grace, even in the midst of this pandemic. We may not be able to be inside this big brick and mortar building. Someday we will be, and I, I think it's gonna be sooner than later. But make no mistake about it, great things are happening here at Big Valley Grace. And so I just wanted you to know that one of the greatest things that's happening is right now the word of God is going to be preached, is going to be proclaimed. And so I want everybody to take their Bibles now and turn to Exodus chapter 20, okay? As I said, we're in this series here at Big Valley Grace where we're looking at the Ten Commandments. And so far, we've looked at the first Okay? The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the first one. And I think it's probably the most important one, right? God says, don't have any other gods before me. Number two is, you shall not make for yourself an idol. This is all about keeping God number one in your life. This is all about worshiping God, making sure that there isn't anything that gets into your life, into your marriage, your business, whatever it might be, that would somehow pull God from number one to number two or number three or number four or number five or whatever. The third commandment is you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. This is all about remembering that he's holy, he's sacred, he, he's not you and he's not me, okay? And that we are to be very careful how we use his name because his name is holy, his name is sacred. There's no other name like the name of Jesus, right? The fourth commandment is, is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. God says, hey, look, here, here's the rule, here's the principle, work six days and then have one day that's different than all the rest. Have a day that you set aside that's um, really all about re-energizing your spiritual life. It's a day where really he takes center stage. And for most people, that's Sunday, but it doesn't have to be Sunday. It can be another day of the week. And so the first four commandments are all about our relationship with God. Okay, when you get to number five, the theme shifts. And now it becomes, how do we relate to people down here? How do we relate to each other? And the first commandment about how we relate to each other is number five, and that is, honor your father and your mother. That's the first commandment about how we relate to one another. God says, I want you to honor your father and your mother. And last week, we kind of walked through all the different phases of life and what it means to honor your father and mother. If you're a child, right, you're under 18 years of age, you live under your parents' roof, you got to obey, right? Unless they ask you to do something sinful or crazy, go rob a bank or whatever. But to a young child, how you honor your father and your mother is, you obey. Obviously, to somebody, say, my age, how I honor my father and mother is, it's not about obedience, but it's about finding ways to respect them and appreciate them and all of those kinds of things. And if you weren't able to listen to the message last week, let me encourage you, find some time, go to our online uh, our website and listen to the message or watch um, the message. Now, today we're going to look at number six, or the sixth commandment, which is you shall not murder. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You know, you're, you're thinking, why, why don't we skip this one? Right? I mean, probably. You know, there's not very many of you out there watching who have actually, you know, murdered somebody. In fact, I think in our church, we probably only have two or three professional hitmen, uh, and they're the only ones that need to watch this. Hey, and so you're thinking, hey, you know, why would we even spend any time on this? Well, I think that when I'm done with the message, you're gonna have a whole new appreciation or a fresh appreciation for these four words. You shall not murder. Because though they seem pretty straightforward, uh, they're misunderstood often. They're misapplied often. They're misinterpreted often. So let me begin by giving you just a a few statistics. I I googled murder uh, this week, and um, some studies say that by the time that the average american child has hit 6th grade they've already witnessed over 9000 murders on tv or on their you know smartphones or whatever think that through for a moment by the time the average child hit sixth grade, they've watched 9,000 murders. Now obviously they're in movies, they're not real murders, but murder has taken place. In 2019, there were almost 16,000 murders in the United States of America. I was looking at the FBI, website. That's over 43 murders every day. Isn't that crazy. The city of Baltimore alone had 342 murders. Think that through. One city. According to the FBI, about 450 children are murdered by their parents each year. That one just blew me away. 450 kids are murdered by their mom or their dad or or both. If my calculations were correct, every 30 minutes in America, somebody is murdered. Think about that. By the time I finish with my message here, you shall not murder someone will be murdered in the United States. We have one of the highest murder rates in the entire world, right here in the United States of America. The very first murder that ever happened happened in a family. In fact, the Bible actually records it. Cain murdered his brother Abel. Now, as I said this command, this sixth commandment is often misunderstood. So what I want to do is I want to talk about what it does mean and what it doesn't mean. Okay. And I'm going to start with what it doesn't mean. I want to make sure you understand this. Well, what the sixth commandment, thou shall not murder, don't murder, what it does not mean. And the first thing, I'm gonna run through these pretty quick is, thou shall not murder, does not prohibit the killing of animals. And you might be thinking, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because I often have people who will say to me, we shouldn't, you know, kill a cow or we shouldn't, you know, kill a a chicken or whatever, because that's murder. In Genesis chapter 9, it says this in verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and he said to them, have many children, grow in number and fill the earth. Every animal, okay, every animal on earth, every bird in the sky, every animal that crawls on the ground and every fish in the sea will respect and fear you. I have given them to you. Everything that moves, everything that is alive is yours for food. You see that? God is telling Noah, all the animals, the fish, the birds, cows, pigs, whatever they might be, is yours for food. Earlier I gave you green plants, but now I give you everything for food. Just this one passage alone kind of settles the issue. But then you can even look at your teeth. I mean, the reason why we have, you know, the teeth that we have and the different shapes that we have is because they're there so we can eat vegetables and fruits, and we can eat meat. The Bible makes it crystal clear that it's okay to kill animals for food, okay? Now, if you wanna be a vegetarian, that's fine. God doesn't care whether you're a vegetarian or not. I don't care whether you're a vegetarian or not. Be a vegetarian. But if you're gonna be a vegetarian, that's just because you're making that choice. Don't make it a biblical issue, because God says it's okay to eat fish, which I love, chicken, which I love, uh, steak, which I love. I love all those. Foods, and God says it's okay for you to eat them. The Bible is very clear about the difference between human life and animal life, okay? Number two, thou shalt not murder, does not prohibit capital punishment. Now I know many of you are gonna disagree with me, and that's okay? What I'm telling you right now, thou shalt not murder does not prohibit capital punishment. In Leviticus chapter 24, it says this, whoever kills another person must be put to death. Okay, beloved, in the Old Testament, God commanded for certain crimes capital punishment. Now we have to be really, really careful when we look at the Old Testament and um, and and make definitive statements about what's in the Old Testament. We don't. We got to be careful when we make it our guide because in the Old Testament, not only did it prescribe the death penalty for those that murdered people, but it also prescribed the death penalty for other things, including unruly teenagers. Okay. Now there have been a few times when, hey. You know, maybe you, I know me, I, I, I've thought about you know killing one of my kids, uh, one of my teenagers. But in the Old Testament, if your kids are out of control, you, you were given the okay to kill them. So you have to be careful when you look to the Old Testament to be your guide in this and maybe some other issues, okay? But with that said, there's no doubt that God has raised up the government and even delegated his authority to the government to maintain order in a society, which includes making laws and punishing those who break those laws, which I believe one of those punishments can be capital punishment. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 13. Okay, take your Bibles and turn to Romans 13. If you don't have a Bible, it's up on your, your screen right now. It says this, everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. That's weighty for a lot of reasons. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those that do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Now, because of sin, there's never going to be a perfect government this side of glory. There won't be one. But in my opinion, I think ours is pretty good. I think we have maybe the best government on the planet at this time. Is it perfect? No, there is no government that's perfect. Because of sin, there is no government that can be perfect. But what we have here in the United States, I think, is the best. We can get frustrated over some of the ways they do things or some of the laws that they come up with or whatever all those things may be but it is the government that God has raised up that we here in the United States, we live under. Now, there are some people out there that will say, I don't think capital punishment really deters criminals. Okay? Well, I know this. It does the one that was executed. The one that was executed isn't gonna go out and rape anybody anymore, isn't gonna murder anybody anymore. To me, there's, something greater that needs to be discussed as it relates to capital punishment, and that is this. When you execute someone, it's final. So if you convict an innocent person and eventually execute them, there's nothing you can do. And we all know that we have executed innocent people. I've watched shows just recently where we have executed somebody who we thought was guilty and then because of DNA testing or whatever it might be, wow, we found out that they were innocent. And I'll tell you something, that, 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 that's a gut punch. I remember watching a show just recently about it and it was like, wow, whoa, I, I felt horrible for that person felt horrible for you know, his family, his friends, that we executed an innocent man. And we've all heard the stories of somebody that spent 25 years in prison, and then they found out that they were innocent and they were let out. Now it's a bummer that they were in jail for 25 years for a crime they didn't commit, but at least they weren't executed. And so when it comes to capital punishment, we have to be very, very, very careful. Because unfortunately, um, we, we can make mistakes and we have made mistakes, but just because we've made mistakes doesn't mean that thou shall not murder somehow prohibits capital punishment, okay? Number three, thou shall not murder does not prohibit going to war. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter three, there's a time to love and there's a time to hate, there's a time for war and a time for peace. Beloved, once again I believe that God has given the government the right to go to war if it deems necessary because there are some things that are are worth fighting for, there are some things that are worth dying for, It's it's right to go to war in order to preserve freedom. It's right to go to war in order to defend the innocent. It's right to go to war to stop the spread of evil. Someone once said, all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men or good women to do nothing. It was right to go to war to fight the Germans. It was right to go to war to fight the Japanese. Now, just like capital punishment, we need to be very careful when we, when we decide to go to war, very careful, but God doesn't prohibit it. That's my point, okay? So, um, if you shall not commit murder doesn't prohibit these three things, what does it mean? How does this command apply to us today, okay? And this is where I'm, I'm gonna go now. And the first two, I'm gonna kind of run through and then I'm gonna land on the third one, spend a little time there, Num- number one. You shall not murder does prohibit killing yourself or suicide. In Romans chapter 14, Paul pins these words, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now, it seems to me like more and more people, especially young people, are taking their own lives. They're they're killing themselves. In fact, the suicide rate amongst our young people is skyrocketing right now in the midst of this whole, you know, COVID-19 crisis. Suicide is the number three killer amongst college students behind accidents and, and murders. And it's the number three killer among high school students behind accidents and murders. And here's the deal, here's what I often hear. People will say, well, it's my right and I have a right to do whatever I want to with my life, right? And if I wanna kill myself, it's my right. And God says, no, it's not your right to kill yourself. I'm the one who gave you your life, God says. And I'm the only one who has the right to take it away. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter six. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a price, so you must honor God with your body. And, Part of the problem is, is that people don't realize that their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul asked the question. Don't you realize that your your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit lives in you and was given to you by God? Some of you don't realize that. You, you, You don't belong to yourself anymore, you belong to Him. He lives inside you and He wants you to use your one life to honor Him. Job said this, he said, you, and that's God, have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live and we're not, gonna, we're not given a minute longer. God is the one who has determined how long you should live. And God doesn't want you to circumvent his authority. He's the one who's determined how long you're going to, to, to live. Most of us at one time or another have felt, you know, a lot of despair, probably enough to think, man, is life really worth living? We've all been there, I know I have. If you've considered suicide or are considering suicide, I say to you, there's hope. You matter to God, you you were made for a purpose. He cares about your life deeply. And you can get out of this despair Hope is there. It it, it is. And maybe what you need to do right now is just simply call the church and say, hey, I want you to know something, man. I I just feel really bummed. I'm really depressed. I'm really out of it. I don't see any hope. And let, let us meet with you and let us talk with you. Let us pray for you. Let us love you. Let us walk you through some of the great scriptures so that you could see how much you are loved and cared for by God and that God has a purpose for your, your, your life. Number two, you shall not murder does prohibit so-called mercy killings, right? Or, you know, youth in Asia. Beloved, the, this is the, the causing uh, the, the death of someone with maybe some deformity or somebody who might have, you know, be older or has some incurable disease or, or something like that. Now, I'm not talking about allowing death to occur naturally, okay? I think that you and I have the right to say to doctors, listen, don't hook me up to machines. I don't want a machine to breathe for me or, you know, or whatever. You have a right not to be hooked up to all kinds of machines. You have a right to just die naturally. I'm talking about causing the death of someone either because of, you know, inconvenience or because you don't think that there's, you know, their life is not worth living anymore. God says you don't have the right to do that. Only he has the right to determine when a person should stop living. Job said this, again, I'm gonna take us back to Job 12. It is God who directs the lives of his creature. Everyone's life is in his power. There was a a guy a number of years ago who thought he should have the right to determine who was fit to live and who wasn't fit to live. Um, You might remember his name. It was Hitler. He was making decisions as to who should live and who shouldn't. Look, you were made in the very image of God, and I'm gonna talk about that in a moment. And this commandment, I I believe, prohibits euthanasia. But I wanna get to number three, okay? And this is where we're gonna end, okay? And we got a great testimony we're gonna share at the end. Um, And this is gonna cause some discomfort for some of you. And before I preached this message a little while ago, I prayed, and I prayed for those of you that were gonna feel really awkward or weird or guilty, or well, I don't know what you're gonna feel. My intention isn't to bring any guilt or bring up any crummy things in your life. I'm simply gonna look at the scriptures and allow God to do whatever it is he wants to do in your life, okay? But hang on, because I think when we land, when, we, when we're done, it's gonna be beautiful. So number three, uh, thou shall not murder does prohibit Abortions. In Psalms chapter 139, it says this. You, that's God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Boy, and there's, that's full of truth. The delicate inner parts of my body. Kidneys and livers and spleens and... And spinal column, and eyeballs, and ears, and toes, and wow. He goes on and says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. <laughs> That's the understatement of the year, right? The human body is just so complex, wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, God, is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. King David saying, wow, you were looking over me when I was in my mother's womb. When I was being fearfully and wonderfully made, when, when my human body, this complex, wonderful human body was being made, you were watching over me in my mom's womb. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. King David says, you created me in my mother's womb. You, God, saw me when I was in my mother's womb. Beloved, that's a person inside a mother, not a not a blob of tissue, it's a person. God said, I even planned every day of your life even before you were born. So if all the days were numbered and planned out before you were even born, abortion is the ultimate short circuiting of God's will. It's just so obvious. Think about it, when Jesus was inside of Mary's womb, was he not Jesus? Was he not a human? Was he not the savior? That's ridiculous, of course he was, of course he was human. Jeremiah said this, or God said this to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Think that through. God says, hey, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, before you were born, and I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. And you probably haven't been set aside to be a prophet to the nations, but God still has a plan for your life too, just like he did Jeremiah's. And he had that plan in mind long before you were ever born, long before you were ever even in your mother's womb to be straight up with you. The Bible is full of examples of how God shares that while somebody was in the womb, he had a plan and a purpose for their life. In fact, we even know that John the Baptist, while he was in his mother Elizabeth's womb, the Holy Spirit filled him. And the Holy Spirit doesn't fill a bunch of tissue or cells. The Holy Spirit only fills human beings, that's it. One of the fundamental truths of the Christian life is that we as human beings are created in the very image of God, which is what makes us special. In Genesis chapter one, it's crystal clear. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Yes, God created everything. He created dogs and cats and cows and eagles and cockroaches and worms and porcupines. He created it all but human beings, you, were created in his very image. That's what makes human life way different than any other life. That's what gives human life um, dignity. We call it the sanctity of human life. Human life is sanctified, it's set apart. It's different than the life of a zebra or an alligator because they weren't made in the very image of God but you were, and so was I. That's what makes us way, way, way different. And that's why the word of God has so much to say about the murder of another human being. And listen, intuitively, you know murdering a human being is wrong. You just know it intuitively. You, you, you can walk outside and step on an ant, and you don't care. If you saw a cockroach running across your kitchen floor, you'd step on it and wouldn't think twice about killing a cockroach, what, what do you care? We all have put, you know, mouse traps up in our home and we've killed mice or rats, and man, we're just getting rid of rodents in our homes, right? But it's the killing of a human life, whoa. We, we just know there's something different about a human life, and there is, and that Truth is, is that human life was made in the very image of of God. Listen to uh, Genesis chapter nine. It says, and I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And if anyone murders a fellow human, that human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his very own image. Look, don't let some biology teacher somehow deceive you into thinking that you're nothing but a little higher up the evolutionary chain than an orangutan, because you're not. You are way different than an orangutan. You're made in the very image of God. God has has created you inside your mother's womb and he has this incredible plan for your life. Look, here's the deal. You're not here by accident. There are accidental parents, okay? But there's no accidental babies. Your parents may not have planned you but God did. There are tons of illegitimate parents in the world, but there's not one, not one illegitimate child. If you're here, it's because God wanted you to be here, okay? I had a young boy ask me one time, Pastor Rick, I never knew my parents. They gave me up for adoption when I was a baby. Why did God allow me to be born? And I told this young boy, you were born because God wanted you and he has a really cool plan for your life. And your parents simply had the right DNA that needed to come together to create you for the plan that God has for you. So some of you might be out there and you're going, okay, well, pastor, I wish I'd have heard this a long time ago because I've had an abortion Maybe you've had more than one abortion. Maybe you're a guy and you forced your girlfriend or encouraged your girlfriend to go get an abortion or you paid for it or whatever it may have been. Maybe you're a parent and you encouraged your daughter or your loved one to go get an abortion. Maybe the Holy Spirit's just talking to you right now and you understand that that's a violation of this sixth command. What What do you do if you've had an abortion? Well, here's the beautiful thing about the Word of God is that it's pretty simple, and that is you just confess it to God. That's all you gotta do, just confess it to God. The Bible says in Romans chapter three that everybody's sin, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have, every single one of us. I want you to know that some of the the great men of God found in this book, Moses, he was a murderer. Paul, was a murderer, he stood around and watched Christians being killed. There are lots of incredible men who were, who were used by God in great ways who were murderers, but they repented of their sin. God used them in, in great ways. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and the truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins, He'll forgive us of our sins because we can trust God to do what is right and he'll cleanse us from all the wrongs that we have done. The good news is it doesn't matter what sin you've been involved in. It doesn't matter how you violated the word of God in your past. Literally right now, God can make you clean. In fact, I have a friend who's gonna come up and and just take a second and share a little testimony. Her name is Lindsay. And so, Lindsay, come on up. And uh, I want you to hear from her and I want you to hear her, her story, okay?
1: Hi there, my name is Lindsay and I'm with the Modesto Pregnancy Center. And it's really cool what we get to do. Every year, hundreds of expecting women walk into our clinics and they bravely have to admit that they're pregnant. And we understand that Every single pregnant woman has every single aspect of their life being affected by those positive tests. And it's a really good visualization that our life really just isn't in our control. And so every day we get to just pray over them and and just pray that the Lord would give them the bravery to accept that miracle that's in front of them. But we also know that that miracle sometimes just seems like it's too much. Statistically, one in four American women has had an abortion. I don't say that for shock value or to cast judgment, but more just to raise awareness. If that's you, there's hope, there's healing. Jesus covers that. And so we would love to just be part of your healing story. Here at Modesto Pregnancy Center, we offer something called Surrendering the Secret. It's a Bible-based study that's been written by people with abortions in their past for men and women with abortions in their past. It creates this safe and confidential environment that fosters healing and brings hope for the future. God's not done with your story. You're not too far. Even if you've never told a single other person about your experience, please know that your experience does matter and that there is healing for you. That no pain is too old or too fresh or you know, too far removed from the blood of Christ. He covers it and there's freedom in him. So if this is something that is of interest to you or that could be a great resource for you, please, please, please reach out to us at Modesto Pregnancy Center. We don't have any um, rules or any money that's involved with it. You just have to show up.
0: Thank you, thank you very much. So I want you to understand something. On on your screen, you see that phone number? That's the Modesto Pregnancy Center. I don't answer that phone. No guy's going to answer that phone. It's all answered by just some really great gals. And these are gals that will love you and care about you. It doesn't matter whether you've had one, two, three, four abortions. It doesn't matter. Maybe the Holy Spirit's working in your life right now. And maybe the greatest thing that you're going to do is go, wow, you know what? I, I need some help and let this organization, let Lindsay be a blessing to you. So, I wanna encourage everybody, keep up. You know, your 40 or your 50 day adventure uh, companion companion journal. Okay, keep it up. Uh, This is a great tool that's helping all of us dig into each of these commandments at a a deeper level uh, each week. And I'm hearing nothing but, but good things from all of you. And uh, let me end by praying for all of us, okay? And so, Lord, thank you, God, for the word, especially this sixth commandment where you tell us don't murder. And Lord, um, it's interesting how our culture has found ways to violate your word, to violate your heart. Just really crazy to see how the enemy has found just ways for evil to triumph. And if there be anybody out there who's thinking about committing suicide, Lord, may they call the church. You don't want them to take their own life. If there are people out there thinking about a mercy killing, Lord, please, euthanasia, please may they understand that you're the one who controls life and death. And God, maybe there's somebody out there who's contemplating an abortion. Maybe one person. Lord, may. May this message somehow have an impact in their life. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness to us. And I pray these things in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, blessings, everybody.